Okay, so two weeks ago we talked about Hallel as reflection, um, and that we <coughs> see Hashem, Hashem's intervention in the world, and in particular in Pesukei Zimra, the focus is very much on the things at the level of Gevura, Yira, Din, nature. So these are these are kind of inflexible <laughs> types of forces, and yet. In seeing that, then we also give praise. And we mentioned like Hallel, it goes into a lot of detail. Like we're coming out of Mitzrayim and we're thanking Hashem for all these things and we're going into detail, but the detail is also the detail of the dangers we were in and the fear and the difficulties we were in. And from there, from the Gevura, we're able to appreciate also the Yeshua and thank Hashem for it, excuse me. And then last week we talked about Unagadelcha, which is this highlighting Hashem's name or pointing to Hashem's name, expanding knowledge of his name. It was also related to gedilim, which is a word for nodding or braiding, right. like with tzitzis. So teasing it apart into the little bits and braiding it back together, and it's stronger and more beautiful. Unishabechecha, which is praising Hashem, but it means, it's from a word that means like improving. So it's improving how we view Hashem, improving him in our eyes, so to speak. So we're, instead of feeling negative, we're realizing that it's positive. So that was, that led to a talking about um, Rabbi Akiva who said whatever Hashem does is for the good whatever the, the Rachman the one who is, has Rachmanus does is for the good and it also um, his Rebbe Rav Nachomish Gamzu who said Gamzu Latova and we heard there was this nice Tavartor from Rav Michal Zilber talking about there's a little bit of a difference between them so how come how come we point to Rabbi Akiva in particular is because when he spoke, he's speaking the Lashon of Gullus, and he's in a time, he's later than Nachamish Gamsu, so he lived through the destruction of the Second Temple. And that's very much the, the message of, the message is the same as Gamsu Latova, and yet it's in the dark, it's in the Gullus. It's, I can't see where you're taking me, Hashem, but I know it's somewhere good. Whereas Nachamish Gamsu saw things as being good in the moment. It wasn't oh, this is bad, but I'm sure it's going to work out. It's, oh, okay, this is how it's working out. So they use Rabbi Akiva because it relates to us more? Because the, the particular case over there was that the Gemara was saying um, that a person, just like you praise Hashem for the good things, you praise Him for the bad things. Mm-hmm. So from Nachamish Gamzu, the type of person he was, it was maybe a higher level even in terms of this quality. But with Nachamish Gamzu, what we would learn is praising Hashem for the good. Because even though, yeah, if it were us, we would have been freaking out. But he didn't. Right. He saw it and he said, okay, I guess I thought it was going to be jewels, but it's dirt. All right. If that's how Hashem's doing it, that's how he's doing it. And he was totally fine with it. Whereas with Rabbi Akiva, it was clear that like this wasn't what he had hoped would happen. He no longer has a flame. He no longer has a donkey. He no longer has... But he knows that whatever Hashem does is for the good. So that's that kind of like, I can't see how this is good, but I'm sure it really is good. Mm-hmm. So that is a slightly different message. That is, I'm ex- not experiencing it as good, yet I can trust that it is good. And that was kind of a, a fine difference, but something that we could learn from. So this, like all kind of, I was thinking, like, it's like those gedilim, like, you tease them all apart and tie them back together again. This really all comes back together again this week, I think, which is, sorry, still using this, this uh, sitter, which doesn't open automatically to where I want, which is this line, unifa'ercha, we will glorify you. Vinazkir Shimcha and mention your name or recall your name. Okay. So this this kind of brings together in all of this, I think what we've been talking about, and I, I promised last week that we'll get to another Rabbi Akiva story and how it how it builds on that same idea. Okay, so Unifa'ercha, just take a second on the word there. Pe'er I guess we usually would translate as some type of glory. There's all different types, right? So related to like Tif Eres. Um, we have the bracha Oter Yisrael Besifara. So we talked about Pe'er a little bit in the past. The Hashem is, he crowns the Jewish people with glory. And that Tifara has to do with our head covering. So with a woman, that would be like a Shetel. And with a man, that would be Tefillin. 
Um, it is a little bit related to pay to the word pay even though it's pay right but yeah they are somewhat related um, I'm not sure that it relates to the word pay as a wig even though in modern Hebrew a pay is right. a wig. I'm not sure that I'm not sure how far that goes back meaning peot right payus right right it has to do with the the corners of your face that you're not allowed to shave mm-hmm. for a man so I'm not sure how it got to a woman's hair covering I don't know I don't know if that's it might be purely a modern use of it I don't know um, but what Rav Schwab says is this mitzvah of the, this concept of unifa'ercha, praising Hashem, glorifying Him. What what is the, what's the distinction in this from any other word that's similar? Is that it's like a crown, meaning, pe'er is that which is higher than our head, higher than our minds can grasp. So praising Hashem for things higher than our minds can grasp. Number one, that's a beautiful thought. But number two, if you stop and think about that you can kind of see that we are in this zone of what we're talking about with Rabbi Akiva, right? Because if I could grasp it, then I would see that it's good. If I can't grasp right. <laughs> there's something here that I'm missing, right. and yet I'm going to glorify him. I don't get him. it, but I'm Right, so I confident. think it's not a, con- yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a coincidence that we have this concept, which is improving the way we view Hashem, mm-hmm. Unifa'ercha, these all mean praise him, glorify him, but these, these sort of associated meanings. Unifa'ercha, we will glorify you for that which is really even above our ability to grasp, over our heads. V'nazkir shimcha, which is now what we're going to talk about, we will mention your name. Okay, so what's the deal with the nazkir shimcha, we'll mention your name? So one is kind of like what we were saying, like just saying thank you. I mean, that's also the gratitude, but but mentioning Hashem. My daughter was talking about um, something that came up in school, and this happened, and that happened, and she was like, after she's like, but nobody mentioned Hashem. Like they're from, mm-hmm. but they don't think to talk about God. So some of that is very much an Americanism, like in American culture, especially secular American culture, people feel very uncomfortable to talk about God, like God in their life. So it just puts people off kilter. So that's one piece of it, is just, we'll mention you, like, you're going to be part of our life. We're going to mention it. But I, there's another piece over here, really, which is, what is V'naz Gershim? Okay, grab another one. Did you skip V'naz No. Okay, is it not? Uh, mine is afterward. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> you have V'naz Gershim before V'naz Gershim Yeah. Okay, that's cool. What new do you daven? Well, this one is Svart. Oh, maybe that's why. Oh. It's been a lot of years since I daven this of Svart, so sometimes I wouldn't catch that there's that swap there. Okay. All right. So, how are we going to translate Venaz Kirshimcha? Nazkir is to recall. If you think about it, zikaron is memory, mm-hmm. right? Vayizkor, Elohim is Noach, Hashem remembered Noach and the animals and the teva, right? Um, whenever we have a mitzvah that's a zecher, that involves what we'd call memory, the mitzvah always is with speech. So if it's a mitzvah to zachor, it's Yom HaShabbos L'Kadoshah, we do that by saying Kiddush. When we have a mitzvah of Zachar Sashar Salacha Amalek, remember what Amalek did to you, right? You have to hear, you have to, somebody has to lean it, and you have to hear every single word, mm-hmm. exactly, because the mitzvah to remember is performed through speech. So right there, you have a clue as to what the concept of Nazkir means. We will recall. Because there's two parts there. One is the fact that it's in the forefront of your mind. That's memory. But it's not just memory. It's the process of taking something that might be in your mind, and not that might, something already in your mind, but you are not maintaining awareness of it, and bringing it into the forefront of your consciousness. That's what it means, lahazkir. How are you? Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Okay, so lahazkir doesn't just mean to remember. 
It means to take something that's already in your mind and bring it to the forefront of your consciousness. And when there's a mitzvah to remember something, it always involves speaking. I mean, speech is the primary way that we say you could take something that's already inside your mind and put it where you can, where you're actually thinking about it at that moment. It's the focus of your attention. All right. So now we're going to start with the source sheet because there is something. What first? It it still doesn't tell me though. So what is Vinas Kishimcha? I think even if we stopped here, it's a valuable point, which is talking about Hashem and so that he is in the forefront of our minds that that would be like a valuable thing that's not right but there's something here about zikaron about memory and why it's important and why does that fit over here with this whole thing of the unashabercha unafaercha like why what is the connection over here all right so this is bracious the very beginning in the almost the very beginning the fourth day God said, let there be uh, lights, illuminators, in the firmament of the heavens, to distinguish between the day and the night. They will be signs, and meeting times, and days, and years. And they will be, in addition to being important for setting times, day, night, days, years, months. They will also give light, and give illumination to the earth. And it was so. And God made the two big lights, the large one to rule over the day, and the smaller one to rule over the night, and the stars. God placed them in the firmament to illuminate the earth. By the way, you get the sense over here that there's a lot going on because certain things almost sound like they're repeated. So that tells you that there's a lot that's happening over here. It's like a few sentences, but we're talking about the pulling together of the galaxies and the stars and the and all of the celestial bodies. There's actually a lot of stages, a lot. I mean, most of which we have no clue what that is, but there's a few hints that we that we hear. To distinguish between the light and the dark. And God saw that this was good. Rashi, famous Rashi, Hamaoros Hagdolim, the big lights. So Rashi's question is, how come in Pasuk, let's see, where are we? In Pasuk Tezayin, it says Hashem made two great lights, and then the big light and the small light. It calls it, first they're both Gadol, and then one is Gadol, one's Katan. Shavim Nivra'u, they were created equal, Venis Ma'ata Halavana, and then the moon was made smaller. Al-Shekitraga, because she accused or argued, the Amra and said, It's not possible for two kings to share, to use one crown. Two kings can't use one crown. Okay. Let's skip down. I don't know why I left the one about Vesakochavim. It doesn't directly go here. Let's move to the Gemara in Hulin, which is number Gimel. Um, and this Gemara is the source for the Rashi. Rabbi Shimon ben Fazi Ramiksiv. It says in the Torah, Hashem made the two big lights, and it says, the big one and the small one. So is it two big ones, or is it one big one small? The moon said to Hashem, Master of the universe, is it possible for two kings to use one crown? And by the way, why not? Just I'm just like throw out there like what? I mean it's a little weird, but and also didn't it could take turns, turns right? Like yeah, and also didn't the moon realize that if if he or she says that, then you would there's think. a fifty percent chance. Appa- apparently not. By the way, if you see the response, the response of the moon seems a little surprised. Amrla also over here, it's not said as a complaint. Rashi brings it as some kind of complaint. Kitrigo is like an accusation or a, an argument. Okay, the Gemara over here doesn't doesn't put that there at all. Amrla. Right, she, the, the queen, the queen, the moon could have asked, 
how are we supposed to share the right. crown? It's how a different are we way supposed of a question. To do it. That's right. How can it be possible? That's almost like um, contradicting Hashem's decision. Yeah. Amar la. This Gemara, by the way, I only brought a small piece of it. This is like a very, very, very interesting Gemara. And it ties in with Rosh Chodesh and the Rosh Chodesh Karban and everything. It's very, very interesting. Amar la. Hashem said to her, uh, okay, go make yourself small. It doesn't say okay there. Go make yourself smaller. Amar Lefanov, she said to him, Since I told you something that was proper and correct, I should make myself smaller? Meaning Hashem is agreeing. Wait, Hashem, she's saying, wait, you're saying I'm right, therefore I should make myself small. Is that really what happens? Like I point out something that's correct? And I should make smaller? But and Hashem says... Who make herself smaller? Yeah. It's also a weird thing. Wild. Yeah. Hashem said, okay, but you're going you're gonna to rule. You'll dominate by day and by night. Now, it's true that the sun you don't see at night. The moon you could see by day and by night. A little hard to say that it dominates by day. I mean, it's there, right? And again, how much does it dominate by night? But, you know, when it's dark, it's more noticeable. Okay. So this is piece number one. Piece number one is, what is the job of the moon? I also want to just point out something here. I, I can't say exactly. I mean, I have ideas about how it all fits together. But let me just point out, the moon and the sun were created equal. The moon had its own illumination. It was as strong as the sun. So I don't exactly understand that question that the moon had then, how did two kings share one crown? But the answer to the question is you make yourself smaller and now they do share one crown because the light of the moon is the light of the sun. Mm. So I just like throw that out there. Like the light of the moon now is the light of the sun. So this is the answer as to how two kings share one crown. Maybe it's by reflecting that it. way some, some before as well. Just the size. It's Somehow size this process. Yeah, but it's more than the size because now the, the moon doesn't have its own light. Mm. The moon only reflects light. This is why we're saying that it ties into the last few weeks because we talked about this concept of halal, which is reflection. Mm. <coughs> and we're also talking about when we don't see light. Okay, so this is all starts to come together over here. Okay, so now I'm going to set the moon aside for a moment, not entirely, and let's move to source number Dalit, which is on the next side. If we want to understand the role of the moon, then in my opinion, we should look at somebody who had the role of the moon, and that's Yehoshua, right? The Torah says, oh, I didn't, maybe I didn't bring the Pasuk, okay, um, sorry about that. Okay, in Bamidbar, when Moshe davens to Hashem, please don't leave the people without a leader. Please make sure that you provide somebody who will take care of them properly. Hashem says, put your hand on Yehoshua. Good morning. Put your hand on Yehoshua and give of your glory to him. Nosata mehodcha, give from your shine, from your glory to him. Zek, Rashi says, Zek Kirun Orf Panav. What is, the, what is the glory you're giving to him? This was the illumination. The Kirun is like the radiation, the radiance of the skin of his face. You remember when Moshe came down from Har Sinai, his face shone. And it says, the puzzle says he didn't know. He wasn't aware of it. He wasn't aware of it. And then he, I guess he noticed that people were like, you know, like, getting blinded by him and so he ended up putting a veil over his face most of the time okay after that so this is what he's going to share there's an illumination that comes from within Moshe it has to do with his spirituality he's going to give from this to Yehoshua which helps us to understand by the way when Rashi says this why we're sort of moving in the direction of sun and moon understanding with Moshe <coughs> and Yehoshua mehodcha of your glory not all your glory. Meaning it's not that you're giving nasata hodcha, it's nasata mehodcha, from what you have, a portion to him. What do we, what do we learn out in relation to this? Pnei Moshe kechama, the face of Moshe was like the sun. Pnei Yehoshua kelevana, the face of Yehoshua was like the moon. 
In other words, Yoshua didn't glow as much as Moshe did, but it's more than that. I mean, that's how you hear it in high school. It's more than that. Because, again, what is the, the light of the moon is the light of the sun. Yoshua is reflecting Moshe's light. And by the way, you see this. And say for Yoshua, there's a place where Yoshua gives over a mitzvah. It's considered a mitzvah del raisa. How could Yoshua make a mitzvah del raisa? A Torah mitzvah? Yoshua continues on Moshe. He brings the light of Moshe where Moshe couldn't go. He brings the light of Moshe in Territ Yisrael. Moshe couldn't go in Territ Yisrael. Okay. Hashem says more than once to Yehoshua, I am with you the same I was with Moshe, your Rebbe. Okay, there's something, Yehoshua is really the moon to Moshe's son, which is that he takes that light and shines it in. Okay, so thinking about the way that the moon rules at night, number one is the light of the moon is the light of the sun, and number two is the place, the moon, the moon does its job by day and by night. Hashem said to it, go roll by day and by night. It has a place in both. And it's not really dimmer by day than it is by night. It's just more noticeable at night. Why? Because at night is where you see that the moon, it may be bringing a lot less light to earth, but the light that it brings is light that otherwise we wouldn't have at all. We wouldn't be able to see it. Meaning there's a time where the, the sun is much brighter than the moon, but there's times when the sun's light is totally hidden from us. When the sun's light is hidden from us, then the fact that the moon can bring any of it into our view has great value. Much more than like, you know, by day, nobody says, oh, today would be a good day to walk to, to grandmother's house because there's a full moon and the light, the moon is out today. Like, so. Like the sun's out. Who cares if the moon's out? But people did used to make plans around the moonlight for nighttime activities. Okay, because it really does matter. When the sun's light can't reach you, then the fact that you've got this mirror of the moon that can reflect the light of the sun into places and times where the sun's light does not otherwise reach becomes very important. <coughs> okay. Most you'd sign, you'd base. This is the end, we just read this in Bishalach. We have the, war, the first war with Amalek. In the first war with Amalek, you remember, Yehoshua goes down to fight the battle. He leads the troops. And Moshe goes up the mountain. And he raises his hands. <coughs> Excuse me, you know, I left my chomishes in the cupboard over there. He raises his hands up to Shemaim. And he's davening. Videy Moshe kvedim. And Moshe's hands got heavy. Oh, so I, I should have brought the whole passage. Anyway. He was, he's raising his hands to Shemaim. I have it over there. It's fine. Um, by the time I find it, it's going to break up the flow so much. I feel that I'm not sure which is worse. Okay, so he raises his hands up to Shemaim, and whenever they would see that his hands were raised, then the Jewish people would win. They were making progress in the battle against Amalek, and when his hands would fall down again, then they would fall back and they would be losing against Amalek. Videy Moshe Kvedim, but his hands were getting heavy. So they took a stone, and they placed it underneath him, so he could sit upon it. The Aaron Vechur, Aaron his brother, and Hur his nephew, supported his arms, one on each side. And his hands were emuna until the sun came down. His hands were emuna. So what's his hands were Muna? The Rashi says, because when the people would see that his hands were up, that would cause them to look up even farther. Right? Rashi says, Are his hands a weapon that you win a war with them? You know, some countries have nuclear weapons and some countries have Moshe's hands. No, his hands aren't winning the war. His hands are emuna. Okay, so you remember our definition of emuna no. from reverse, right? Emuna is not blind faith. Emuna is trust based on what you already know, but you cannot see it right now. So when Avram, when Hashem promises Avram that he'll have children, but he doesn't have any children. The Hemin Ba Hashem, and he's trusting in Hashem. 
That it doesn't mean that he has blind faith in God because he has a communicating prophetic conversation going on with God. He doesn't have to believe blindly, right? It's the trust. It's being able to rely on something that he knows to be true even when it is not visible at the moment. You hear how this is all coming together over here, right? You've got the moon and you've got your, okay. That's what Emuna is. So when the Emuna of his hands is that people look at his hands, it's not the hands doing it, the hands are elevated towards heaven. So then people look at his hands and that draws their eyes up even further. And they remember Hashem is the one who really saves them. He's the one who fights the battles and then they win. So something that wasn't in their line of sight or in the forefront of their thinking at the moment, the hands recalled it to them. That is the role of Emuna. Emuna is very much like Zikaron then. We said memory, Zikaron, right, is taking something that's in your mind, you know it already, but you aren't thinking about it and putting it in the forefront of your mind. Emuna is when you allow your feelings and behavior to be guided by that. So there's a difference, but the, the kind of model is the same type of model. It's where it's not in front of you, and yet you place it in front of you. You get it in front of you. Okay, now this is something I've never heard anyone else really talk about, but this, uh, I, I find it really very uplifting, and it's a little early to start talking about Purim, but here it is, so it ties into our topic anyway, so you can get like a little head start on Purim. We're up to Vav now. Yehoshua, this is continuing in the same section. Yehoshua weakened Amalek, and Amalek's nation by sword. Now you notice he weakened them, he did not wipe them out. And Hashem said to Moshe, these are the verses that everyone kind of skipped over because it's like the last few verses of the Parsha and you're so excited by the war and the hands up in the air that you don't notice the last couple verses. And Hashem says to Moshe, Write this down as a zikaron, as a memory, in a book. And put it into the ears of Yehoshua. You don't stick the book in his ears, right? This message should be written down as a zikaron and you should tell it straight into Yehoshua's ears. I shall surely wipe out all memory of Amalek from under the heavens. Um, do we want to do the Kliakar? I want to skip. I want to skip down to number Ches, which is the Orachayim, and then come back. Okay, maybe we'll come back to the Kliakar. The Orachayim says like this, Tzarech Ladas, we have to know. Why do we have this message being directed specifically to Yehoshua? What's the, the message is, God says, tell him, I am going to wipe out the name of Amalek from under the heavens. Why well, the inference is that he's going to pass it on to Kali's Israel. So he'll pass it, it on, is, right? There is a war with Amalek Always later. Hashem... Well, usually, I don't know about all of them, but usually when I come to the book, it's the lay more, the lay more of the Israel. So he did not say that here, no. actually. He told him to write in a book, so the book might get passed on. He says, put it in his ears. It's like a direct, right? It's got to go into his head. Okay. Yehoshua was the man down on the ground, literally in the field, in the trenches. He's the one fighting Amalek down there. And he witnessed the power and not just the might, the tokfo is its power, but the otzam hachosas Amalek, the, the intensity of Amalek's inciting of God, like trying to make God angry. Right? Lahachis is to do something with the purpose of upsetting the other one. He saw what Amalek really was. He was down there facing them, fighting with them, hand-to-hand combat, right? There's no missiles, really, other than spears. So he knew what kind of, what kind of people he was dealing with. <clears throat> Amalek are out there to fight God. They're not even fighting the Jewish people. 
ולא היה בו כוח לעשות בו חיליל, אלא להחליש שם לבד. And yet, Hashem did not give him the strength to destroy them completely, only to weaken them. Remember the verse said, Yehoshua weakened them. Isn't that amazing? Like, just to point that out, right? The, the Pasuk said, Yehoshua weakened Amalek, and Hashem said, tell him I'm going to wipe them out. The Orachayim is seeing, this is all one thought here. Yehoshua is the one who sees how wicked Amalek is and that their battle is really with God. right? Its hand is, is stretched against the throne of God. And yet, Hashem only let him weaken them and not wipe them out. And there could be in the heart of this righteous tzaddik, Yehoshua, how could it be that God did not do to this Russia? Why didn't he give him what was coming to him? Right? I mean, it wasn't so tovlo for, for Amalek, but it wasn't so ralo either. So how is it possible that somebody comes, a whole nation, and they're dafka trying to fight against God, and they're only fighting us because we're God's people, and Hashem doesn't wipe them out? To this God came, I, I, I looked this up the first time I read it, it means something like, like to fill his basket, meaning he feels like there's an empty space inside of him. There's something missing, and Hashem fills like it up for him. Compensatory. Uh, like yeah. Compensate. Except compensate sort of suggests something instead of what's missing. I'm just explaining. It's a very strange phrase here. Hashem is coming. It's kind of to comfort him, mean to fill in the missing blank. And told Moshe to tell him in his ear, why does the Pasuk specify, put it in the ears of Yehoshua? should have just said, tell him, right? It, the Pasuk is telling us that this message is a response, to respond to what is going on in Yehoshua's heart. Hashem says, I want you to tell this message specifically, direct it to Yehoshua. We all hear it because it's in the Torah too, right? But Yehoshua needs to hear this as a personal message to respond to what's in his heart. The Amarlo, tell him, ki lo hadavar, not to worry. Isn't that great? Don't worry. Because he wasn't worried for himself. He doesn't understand, like, how is, how is Hashem running the world? Like, somebody comes specifically to fight against God and how he doesn't... Not, how could he not avenge his name? Yeah, like, what is going on here? We're trying, we're, we're fighting, we're putting our lives on the line for God's name. Like, why wouldn't God make that go? Okay. Don't worry about it. I will wipe them out. Udvar Hashem. How will that comfort him? How will it comfort him if God says, don't worry, in the future I'm going to wipe them out? Because for a person who's that righteous, like Yoshua, the word of God, it's as if it already was. Even though it will be. That is his comfort. And by the way, it was his comfort. He was fine. Yeshua was fine with that. It absolutely. Now, that's again. You understand this is this is a uniquely Yehoshua avoda. Because what's Yeshua? Yeshua is the moon. To Moshe's son. Yeshua can take a message and be one hundred percent okay with it. He can bring the light that he knows to be true and reflect it into a place where you can't see that it's true, where it's dark. Yeshua could do that. That's the power of the moon. That's the power of zikaron. Write this in. It's an amazing thing. Sovzos zikaron basefer. Write it down as a zikaron in a book. I don't even know which book. It could be it's the Torah. Okay, and there's some discussion in the Mepharshim. What are we talking? Was this like a separate little booklet? Like a little scroll? <laughs> right? But, and yet, where is it? I mean, we see it in the Torah. So clearly it's written in the Torah. This is a very... It's, it's the epitome of Yehoshua-ness, really, to have a message like this and be able to take comfort from that the rest of his life. By the way, when they went into, into Canaan and they fought against Amalek and there were some people who were left over again, he brought this message to the rest of the Jewish people. <coughs> he says, don't worry. If we didn't get them all this time, it'll happen again in the future. Hashem will wipe them out.
He's able to take that message forward. Tam kefa macho. So here we can touch on for him a little bit. Why does it say macho emche, like doubled? Perhaps it's a hint to the times when God is going to wipe them out. The first in the time of Shaul, in Kenegdo it says macho, and the second time in the time of Mordechai, Kenegdo Amar Emche. The Achas Lossid, there's also in the future, when it's a total wipeout, finally, down to the last one, Kenegdo Amar Mitachas Hashemayim, from under the heavens. That's why there's three phrases relating to it. He said it could be referring to the three times, the three major wipeouts of of Amalek until they get completely wiped out. Okay, so we're running late, so I'm not gonna go back to the Kleyakar. Um, you, could, you could do it. It's a nice Kleyakar, but we don't have to have it to go forward, so, so I'm gonna stop over there. Sha'ol reacted very differently when he wasn't had supposed to, when he di- wasn't allowed to finish Amalek off. He's not well, he was supposed to, right? He and was supposed to, but he didn't. I'm saying yeah, he, didn't he wasn't see. satisfied with the idea that it will happen later. I mean, he's not a moon. He's a... No, the opposite. He no, was satisfied. Was supposed to. He was supposed to. He didn't feel him. the same urgency, it seems like, to kill the king of Amalek. So to wait till the morning. The problem right? is he had yeah. pity in the yeah. wrong yeah. place. Yeah, or because something, he, whether he related to... He was also coming from a different place. They right. attacked Amalek, I'm saying, okay. but... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I think this job is a very, very Yehoshua job. That's why, I mean, Yehoshua is described as the moon. I think it's in more than one way. Okay. So now I said we're going to come back to Rabbi Akiva. So very important. I want to come back to the, to the Rabbi Akiva. And this is a different Gemara about Rabbi Akiva. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's just Oh, okay, wait, hang on. Wait, wait, we gotta move, we gotta move, we gotta move, because I don't want to leave these things out. They're too good. They're too good to leave out. Okay, number one, about the role of the moon. Sorry, this is what happens, because I didn't stick the pages in. I said, oh, I'm going to see in my notes the reference, and then I didn't. Okay, number one, this is amazing. I just saw this for the first time this year, Parsha's bow. What is the first mitzvah? commanded to the Jewish people as a people hachodesh hazelachem that's the moon, mm-hmm. pointing to the moon this is, okay, so Rav Hirsch won't have time to do his whole commentary on it, which is also very long but also has several key points okay, but he defines it, it doesn't mean this month is the first month, because the end of the Pasuk means that rishon hu lachem means it's the first of all the months of the year Hachodesh Hazelachem means this renewal, Hachodesh, this renewing, should be for you, Rosh Chadashim, the beginning of the months. When you see this renewal, then you know to start your month. What's this renewal? So it's Hachodesh Hazeh. Hazeh means you could point to it, right? Zeh, this thing, means you point to it. And, and in fact, Rashi brings and Hazal tell us that Hashem took Moshe outside and said, see that? See that moon? When it looks like that, that's the renewal I'm talking about. When you see that, that's when you start your month. Okay, so Rav Hirsch says, and you know, we have this idea, and what is the moon for, by the way? This will tell you when your Moadim are, when your holidays are, your festivals. Okay, so we saw that. That was all the way at the creation of the moon. That was like the pur- one of the purposes of the moon. Okay, he says a Moad means a meeting up. Like Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting, right? Avad is a committee, because you meet and you get together. A Moed means a time when both sides come together. It's not one coming to the other. Both sides are voluntarily coming together to meet. He says that's why, even though you can, and we always have known how to calculate the moon, since Hashem showed it to Moshe, it relies upon witnesses, because it's important that we notice it and come to greet the moon. So there's something that we have to see and notice in the moon for the Rosh Chodesh to happen. That's the meaning of HaChodesh Hazel Lachem Rosh Chodashim. This renewal has to mean to you the beginning of the month. Otherwise, it doesn't just happen by itself for Kiddush HaChodesh. So what is it that we have to notice about the moon? I, I think this is amazing. When I was a little kid, I don't know about you, I heard about Rosh Chodesh 
and the witnesses. I thought, I really thought Rosh Chodesh is when the moon is big and round. Yeah, I'll still have to like okay. remind myself. <laughs> okay, so don't feel so bad. You <laughs> it shouldn't feel so bad because that's like the big, that's the, that's the beautiful intuition, one, right? right? Like the big one. So here's what Rehearse says: It is not to be the conjunction of the moon with the sun. That's the full moon. Not the moon receiving the rays of illumination afresh that induces the beginning of the months. It's not that to which our celebration of the new moon is to be dedicated. But each time the moon finds the sun again, each time it receives its rays of light afresh, God wants his people to find him again and be illuminated with fresh rays of his light. Wherever and however in running their course, they've had to pass through periods of darkness and obscurity. That's what a Rosh Chodesh is. I actually... Rosh Chodesh is when the moon goes dark and then there's a tiny bit of light the tiniest bit of light, that's the reason to celebrate. That's the renewal. That's finding God's light again. When the moon finds the light of the sun in the tiniest amount, not the big amount, it's when it was dark and it finds the little bit, that's going to rejuvenate us. Because we'll look at that and say, gosh, I've gone through a really dark time. But I could also find the light of the sun again. I could also find God's light. Amazing interpretation mm-hmm. of the like Unbelievable. Okay. That's the moon. That is the message of the moon. Where do you find light when it is dark? It's in the moon, not the sun. It may be the sun's light that you're looking for. But if the sun is hidden, if God's face is hidden, then it is the role of the moon to shine that light into a dark place. Okay. Back to Rabbi Akiva. Remember, Rabbi Akiva's the one who, when he thanked Hashem, it was in the dark place. Nachamish Gamzu, whatever he saw, it just was good. Rabbi Akiva, well, I don't see how it's good, but I know it is. That's the moon talking, right? Okay. Listen to this Gemar. I gave it to you here. It's number test. So it once happened that Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah, Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Akiva were Olim Lirushalayim. Let's, let's just skip down to the second paragraph where it says, Shuv Pam Achas Hayu Olim Lirushalayim. A different time, they were going to Yerushalayim. Where are we? The second paragraph of the last source, a number test. This is a Gemara in Makos, the very last Gemara in Makos. Here we go. Okay, so we're going to jump down to the end because it's getting late. They were going up to Jerusalem. When they got to Haratzofim, they tore their clothes. And when they reached Har Habayis, this is something you usually hear in of. Okay? They saw a fox walking out from the site of the Holy of Holies. They all started to cry for Rabbi Akiva Metzachek, but Rabbi Akiva started to laugh. Amrul, I think this version that I printed for you says Metzachek, but it's supposed to be Metzachek. Amrul, they said to him, What are you laughing about? What are you crying about? Amrul, they said to him, The Hazar Hakar of Yumas, they said the place where it says a person who's not like the Kohen Gadol will die if he walks in there and now foxes are just wandering around on the property, we shouldn't cry. Amar Lahen, he said to them, Oh, that, that's why I was laughing, actually. Because there's a Pasuk that says, this is a Pasuk in, I think, Yeshaya. The Pasuk, I looked it up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Yeshaya. God says, I will bring witnesses to testify on my behalf that I will redeem you. Reliable witnesses. These are my witnesses, God says, that I will bring a redemption. What does Uriah have to do with Zachariah? Uriah, okay, Uriah prophesied about the first base at Mikdash. Zachariah, who lived at the end of the first base at Mikdash, gave prophecies about the second temple. What's the connection? Ella, Rather, what this Pasuk in Yeshaya is doing is depending the Nevoah of Zachariah upon the Nevoah of Uriah. It is, Hashem is connecting these two prophecies. Uriah's prophecy is, 
Because of you, Zion will be a plowed field, meaning the Beis HaMikdash will be destroyed and plowed over, which it was, which that was what they saw. And Zechariah's prophecy was, There shall yet sit old men and women securely in the streets of Jerusalem. They can sit out on the porches and schmooze with people, right? They'll be safe. Until I saw that Uriah's prophecy was kept, I was afraid that the prophecy of Zechariah would not be kept. It's a funny statement, by the way. I've heard this come over many times. It's a very strange statement. It really is. Right? That's why... What? Achshav. But now... Now that I see that the prophecy of Uriah was fulfilled... Now I know for a fact, it's known that the prophecy of Zechariah will be kept. And they said to him, Akiva, you comforted us. This end is actually really weird, by the way. I think so. Wait, because, because until you saw the prophecy of Uriah, you don't before your eyes, you don't believe the other one. You don't see the other one before your eyes, but now you could believe it. I don't know, like, what's that about? Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I think it means. I'm telling you now, it's my, just what I think. And I only came to this because of the learning about the moon and the sun, okay, and this whole concept. I think that what Rabbi Akiva is saying like this, first of all, I think it's striking. This is, again, just me talking. Who are these prophets? One is called Uriah, his name is the light of God, and one is called Zechariah, the memory of God, okay? When you can see the light, the prophecy of Uriah, Okay, Uriah prophesied about the first temple, which is a time of Giloi Shechina, even though he was talking about destruction. But it was a time when you could see things clearly. When there was sun, there was light, there was prophecy. Zechariah is talking about the second temple time where there is not prophecy. He's prophesizing ahead about it, but he's prophesizing into a time of darkness when it's going to be the memory of God. And these are the witnesses to the Geula, which is very similar, right? We have with David HaMelech, Kos Yeshuos Ekra, Uveshem Hashem Ekra. When I see Hashem's chesed, when I see salvation in Yeshua, then I call out in the name of God, Tzara V'yagon Emtel V'shem Hashem Ekra. And when I have Tzara and difficulties and groaning, I also call out in the name of God. Okay, Rabbi Akiva says, as long as I didn't see, as long as I couldn't see that Uriah's prophecy was true, I didn't have confidence in either one. Rabbi Akiva, is, is, he's pulling a Yehoshua. He's saying, you don't have to see it now, but you have to have seen it in the past at least. Okay, so he says, once I've seen the proph- one of the prophecies fulfilled, I have no problem trusting in the whole thing, even when I can't see it anymore. That's what Imuna is. That's what zikaron is, memory. Yeah? But doesn't, I mean, emuna doesn't have to be that you have seen it in the past. You just... It has to be based on what you know. That's what, I mean, that's Rav Hirsch's definition of emuna. that's all. Rav Hirsch's definition of emuna. He and he's in part reacting to the fact that they lived, he was living in a Christian country, where the blinder the faith, the better. And he's, in, in part, he's reacting to that and saying... We, Hashem is not telling us to have blind faith. I mean, you look at some of the things that Christians are expected to believe. It's unbelievable. It is literally unbelievable. Okay. Now, but if you have part of it that you feel you know for a fact, then when... Now, that is not always an easy avoda when it's dark to remember there was a time when it was light. When you feel that God is not present in your life, to remember that there was a time when you felt him so closely is not always easy. You actually have to work at it. It's not something that just happens automatically. Saying Koman David Ovid, you know, relies on the fact that in the past you've already taught yourself to see over and over again that Hashem is doing things for good for you. Right? That feeling that you had trust. So you have to, how do you hang on to that? And that's I think that's another question that we haven't tackled at all. Which is how do some of it is I think what we said last time, which is saying thank you, saying it out loud actually does help integrate that into you that 
when you feel that he took care of something for you, big or small, you said thank you, it does help plant it more deeply for going forward. I think there's other ways as well. Um, but, but this concept is like, this is a fundamental. How do we take it, how do we remember, we write it down? Is it not a bad thing, right? If you have a journal that you can look back on, where you say, oh yeah, I forgot I felt like that then, right? Or, you know, it could be it's your art, you know, where you have an inspiration, you can look back and remember how you felt when you did that. Sure. But, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's a, I'm saying, because we go through ups I, and downs. I you just said from last week. That, and I, 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 I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to show you the picture. Yeah, I want to see. I'm sorry. I'm these are <laughs> I did. I we all have that. these ups and downs. V'nazkir yeah. shimcha. When we say Hashem, we're going to mention your name. Nazkir is to recall it to the forefront of our mind. Right? That's how this all, all those strings really tie together. They're all really that same message of what I'm seeing may be din and difficulty, but I can remember God's name. I can bring that back into the front of my mind and the front of my awareness. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Are we going to go through the list next week on the back? Um, oh, okay. so this was really a different shear. It's oh, online. Okay, we did this, I think, two years ago, maybe. Uh, okay. The freedom of the night. So I included it there because it's very much the freedom of the night is very much the moon side and right. it's Purim, and freedom of the day is very much the Pesach and the sun. Okay. So you can you can work it through. We're not going to do a share on it just okay. because I've already done it. So oh, okay. I, I try really hard not to bring you guys the same shear twice, just <laughs> <laughs> for your sake. But it, it's online. If you look up Freedom of the Night, this is number thirty-six. If you even just go search on the website okay, thirty-six, great. it'll pop right up. Okay, thank you so much. Mom, thank you so much. <laughs> um, would yeah. you mind if I took a copy of that? Um, the source sheet. What you were saying. Yeah, I was going to need you to hear it again. Give me one second. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm glad you were here. I know. We tell you. I'm sorry I was late. I had to it's okay. Care of no problem. Um, it was what Rupert said, and he said that yes. we knew all the moon. Oh, the moon. The yes. The Let moon. me first of all tell you where the source is so you can also find it. Okay. This is his commentary on Shmos, Paragud Bays, Pasuk Bays. Okay. Oh, so I wonder if I have this. Um, yeah, I think you do, but that's okay. Say it again. Yud Beis Beis. And this is the so I need back because I want to put it in my notebook. But it's it's the part that I read you is this pit, bit here. That's in italics. You see this? That was the bit that I read to you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, it's an amazing.